I've been speaking some series over at Weka, and uh, next week I'm attempting to do the impossible and preach all five services. So 9, 10, 11, 12, and 6. So, uh, but what you can do is if you've missed one or the other, you can always jump online and you could hear one of the other messages from either Weka or here at Engage. Wherever you came, I see some double dippers that were over at Weka this morning and some people that were here this morning and then Seven Haley weren't anywhere this morning. And so it's fine. Shots fired. It's all right. So most of us are committed to Jesus Christ, but it's all right. It's all right. It's Sunday night and the devil is a liar and it's okay. It's okay. Hey, Hebrews chapter 11. 11, verse 1, shots fired on a Sunday night. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Now what we are discovering in the midst of this series is that God has an incredible plan and a purpose for us. That the story of God is so much greater than the story that I'm writing for myself. See, if I was left to my own devices, if I was left to my own ideas, I would get somewhere and I would be somebody. But when I follow Jesus one step at a time, he leads me into his plans and his purposes. And I walk boldly and confidently into a destiny that's so far beyond what I could ever ask, hope, imagine, or dream. See, what we know to be true about Jesus is that he takes our broken pieces and he creates a masterpiece. Jesus takes our broken pieces and he creates a masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 describes it like this. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. When we let Jesus take the broken parts of us and put us back together, when he rebuilds us, we actually accomplish the things that he's always intended for us. When we allow his plan to override our plan, we actually accomplish that which burns within our hearts. But when we try and make it happen ourselves, we often find ourselves frustrated, delayed, and agitated because we can't make it happen. But newsflash, you could never make it happen in the first place anyways. We are God's masterpiece. Isaiah 64, 8 puts it this way. And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all, we all are formed by your hands. We're all formed by your hand. Now, the most expensive piece of art in the world, the most expensive painting ever, sold for a meager $430 million. And it's ugly. See, what, what I should have said is it sold for only $430 million. See, I was in the mall the other day with Des, and we were walking around, and we walked by this store, and, and, and there's like, hey, winter coats, you can get this, this nice trench coat in here for only $579. I'm like, who had the audacity to put the word only in front of a coat that's $579? And then I met Simon's, and this guy's trying on this Canada goose jacket, and the lady's like, that looks amazing. He's like, ma'am, this is out of my price range. Unzips it, takes it off, and walks away. Only, only the world's most expensive painting sold for only $430 million, and it's but ugly. It's a painting of Jesus. Am I allowed to say that a painting of Jesus is ugly? 
But it's it looks like it's painted by Leonardo da Vinci, and it looks like Jesus dressed in Mona Lisa's clothes. But it's not because it's like clothes from that era. But it still looks like a dress. And he's holding an orb, which is like the universe. He's like, and Jesus, but very, it's just ugly. But the thing about paintings and like these masterpieces is that the thing that, that sets their value, there's two things that determine the value. It's the fact that there's literally only one. It's the only one in the world. That there's a limited number of copies. And that it was painted by one of the greatest artists in the history of all mankind, Leonardo da Vinci. It's those things that create the value for this painting. Still overpriced, but it's what creates the value. See, sometimes I think we begin to question our own value. Anyone? Anyone ever? Sorry. Room full of liars up in here. We begin to question our value. Tonight, I just got a simple message. It's just, it's, it's, not, it's not too long. It's shorter than Pastor Jeremy. Uh, what a time to be alive <laughs> called the devil is a liar turn to somebody and say the devil is a liar see there's a whisper that weaves its way throughout history and it's been whispering in our ears since the beginning of all mankind it started with Eve in the garden when she saw that fruit on the tree she's like wow that looks good and see, God said, hey, Eve, don't eat from that tree, because if you eat from that tree, it's the tree of the knowledge of evil, of good and evil, and you will be like God. But the whisper whispered into her heart and into her mind and into her ear and said, Eve, if you eat from that tree, you will be God. See, it's the same whisper that told Cain, hey, you're not your brother's keeper. Whatever you did, whatever you want to do, however you want to worship God, that's fine. You can just do that. It was the same whisper that's, that spoke to King Saul and said, hey, King Saul, even though God said, wait for me and make your sacrifice when the prophet arrives, if you just do what you want, when you want, if it feels good, you should do it, then it's going to be okay. It was the same whisper that told King David that at the season when kings go out to battle and when kings go to war, that you should stay at home. And then he looks out the window and hashtag Bathsheba. <laughs> Naked lady on the, on, the, uh, on the patio. And he's like, okay, I'm in trouble. <laughs> it's the same whisper that spoke to Saul, who little be, later became Paul. That said, hey, you should learn to protect the truth. And so his version of protecting the truth was to murder men, women, and children who believed in Jesus until he was confronted by Jesus in the street. And he said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And he changed his name and created a brand new identity. His name was Paul. You see, it's this whisper that twists the truth. There is a subtlety to the art of deception. And it comes to you, you know, the Bible says that Satan comes dressed as an angel of light. He knows, he knows what to say. He knows what to whisper. He knows what the right words are. And friends, can I tell you, the only person that knows the Bible better than you is the devil himself. Because he's been around for the whole story. He lived it. He knows it. And he knows how to use it and twist it and say just the right thing at just the right time to get you doubting whatever comes 
next. But can I tell you that the subtle art of living by faith is lived out best when we learn to master the subtle art of deception. Because it's the whisper that comes to take away our promise. It's the whisper that comes to take away our destiny. It's the whisper that comes to say, hey, you can't accomplish what you were created to accomplish. Why don't we jump over to John chapter 10, verse 10. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Come on, 6 p.m., I'm going to need your energy. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. A rich and a satisfying life. The, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. That word, steal, uh, the, the Greek word is klepto. Turn to somebody and say klepto. It literally means to steal without you knowing. To steal without you knowing. It's not like a bold face. Like It's like you're getting pickpocketed. Has anyone been pickpocketed before? Wow, we got, we, we've got more than I thought. <laughs> People pickpocketed. Uh, and, and they just bump into you. You don't even realize it's gone until it's too late. That's the idea here. The thief comes to steal your future. He comes to steal your gifts, your talents, and your abilities without you even knowing it. He comes to steal and then to kill, which really means to sacrifice or make an example of. If he could steal your joy, if he could steal your future, then he'll make an example of you and say, hey, look. This is what it gets you when you follow Jesus. The third thing that he does is destroy. And this is like, what, where does kill and destroy? Isn't that the same thing? Or is one just like a bomb? Destroy literally means to render useless. To be rendered useless means so many things. But I think the thing that I've seen the most in the 21st century and in the world that we live in is that the easiest way that we could be rendered useless is when we're all just good. It's just good. Things are good. How you doing? Good. How's life? Good. How's the house? Good. How's the kids? Good. Man, it's not great? No, good. See, good is the enemy of great, but good is the ultimate deception because it says, you know what, I'm good enough. It's like, oh, but what about that thing I called you to? You know what? I'm good. It's, it's, the, it's the deception of comfort that says, you know what? I, I'm comfortable. I found my place. I found my spot. I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to like live in this realm because I just found my groove. You know what? The groove that you found is not the groove that you think that you found. Oftentimes when we, se- we sell out our future by staying just right in the comfortable spot. You know, Des has this great saying, we've got to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. I, I want to take credit for it, but I always give credit for it because Des said it, and I want to stay married. <laughs> right? I mean, just being honest. we got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, when, when God starts to do something in our life, it's really, really funny. We, we pray these prayers like, God, use me. And then he's like, okay, and he creates opportunity, he creates spaces and places for you to be used. And all of a sudden you start using your gifts and the talents and abilities at a level that you've never used them before in your life. You start, you know, maybe it's, it's through business and your business is exploding and, and you're like, oh, at the end of the day you feel tired and you feel exhausted and you're like, God, I just feel used. And he's like, right. <laughs> That's what you asked for, right? No, God, use me less. 
Use me at a comfortable pace where I feel okay. No, how about I created you for more, but if I'm going to give you more, I have to give you the strength and the capacity and the ability to carry more. So we go through seasons where God starts to put on a load. Why? Because, you know, Craig will tell you, if you're going to get stronger, you got to put some more weights on the bar. you got to rip some of those muscles. It doesn't feel good. We're like, ah! That's why people make weird faces when they're lifting. It's also why people make weird faces in worship. God's increasing my capacity. The funniest place to stand is on stage to watch y'all worship Jesus Christ. Like, just watch Emily, you'll see. <laughs> see, he also has to to increase our capacity. And sometimes to increase our capacity, he has to stretch us out. And, and you can ask Haley and any pregnant lady in the house what it feels like to be stretched. I don't know why you're laughing. This is just straight truth. Hashtag stretch marks. This is what we should call this message tonight. Hashtag stretch marks. Because sometimes, listen, sometimes when you're stepping into your destiny, it leaves a mark. Now, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Sometimes when you step into your destiny, it leaves, leaves a mark. Do you know why? Because as you begin to open up yourself, as you begin to open up your heart, as you begin to open up your spirit, as you begin to take that step forward and you begin to take a step of faith and you begin to take a risk, guess what? You open yourself up. And any time you open yourself up, you open yourself up. And all kinds of things start coming at you. Listen, if you want to take a step forward in your faith, if you want to take a step forward in your life, if you want to accomplish the things that God has for you, then you have to understand that you've got to increase your pain tolerance. Because your capacity in life is directly related to the pain capacity in your life. Why? Because the more you work with people, the more you'll be hurt by people. The more you love people, the more they will hurt you. You're like, well, I, then I should just stop. I should protect myself. Incorrect. You see, because the love that comes from Jesus as it begins to pour into us and then pour out of us and pour into them, even when stuff starts coming back against us, what you begin to understand and what you begin to learn is that the love of God never stops. So even when the love of man stops or I find myself in a difficult situation and I find myself hurt and bleeding and broken, the love of God begins to heal me and put me back together and it never stops flowing. The subtle art of living by faith is saying to the whisper that the voice of Jesus is louder than the whimper that's in my ear. Come on, somebody. What we're learning tonight is how we take the whisper and turn it into a whimper. Now, I'm going to drop some Jesus on you. 1 John 3, verse 20. It says this, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. I mean, we could probably all go home after reading this verse. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. The context of this piece of scripture is that people were stopping uh, coming to Jesus. They were stopping coming to church. They were stopping worshiping. They were stopping connecting with him, praying. They were just stopping everything because they felt bad about what they did on Saturday. But you know, the honest truth is that they were just believing the whisper more than they were hearing the call of God for them. 
It was the lie that said, you know what? This is the last straw. It's the last time. I can't believe you did it again. I can't believe you think that way. I can't believe you said that. How many times have we just stopped approaching God because we're convinced that we're just not good enough, we're just not worth it, that he could never use this? How many times have you been like, you know what? I'm just going to stop pursuing the things that he's put in my heart because if everybody found out what I was feeling, they would think that I was a fraud. Can I tell you, the most successful people that you will ever see on this planet are some of the most insecure people that you've ever seen on this planet. You think that when you stand up anywhere in front of people or you're talking to a peer or a colleague or to your boss and you feel a twinge of insecurity that you're the only person on earth that's experienced these feelings? No, that's the whisper. How do we turn that whisper into a whimper? God is greater than our feelings. Turn to somebody and say, the devil is a liar. And so are you. <laughs> Because all we do is we keep lying to ourselves. We keep saying that the, the most supreme voice in this earth is my emotions. So when I don't feel it, when I don't feel confident, when I don't feel gifted, when I don't feel skilled, when I don't feel called, when I don't feel loved, I've decided that that's the strongest voice on this earth. Can I tell you, the devil is a liar and so are you. You're lying to yourself. There is a voice that says, hey, you are loved. You are chosen. You are selected. You are picked. How do I know that? We roll it back to the painting. The painting, the value of the painting is established essentially with two parameters. What did I say it was earlier? That it was an original and who painted it? It's an original or who painted it? Why don't you do me a favor and look at your hand for a minute? Just look at your hand. Every time you look at your hand, you are reminded that you are an original. Because all of those fingers, all those fingerprints, nobody else has those. They're original. They're handcrafted. They're made by the creator of the universe. Every time I look at my hand, I'm reminded that I'm one of a kind, that I'm a unique, that I'm a masterpiece, that he made me, that he knit me together in my mother's womb. Every time I look at my hand, I'm reminded that God created me just like this. He called me just like this. Now, he loves me enough to leave me not like this. But my value is not found in my weakness, but my value is found in knowing that I'm a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. Oh, who made me? The master painter painted this masterpiece, and I'm talking about the shirt. The creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, handcrafted me. He handcrafted you. That's where your value comes from. Your value comes from you being uniquely you. You devalue you by trying to be or become somebody else. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Now, here's, here's something interesting. Not only have we established that we're unique, that establishes value. 
that we are created by the king of the universe. That establishes value. But the price has already been set at market. I went to uh, Barrett, the uh, Barrett Jackson auction in Las Vegas, the car show. Has anyone seen this on TV? Anybody ever? Three people in the room, praise the Lord. Uh, and they, they auction off all these cars. The most expensive car that I saw get sold, I think, was $1.5 million for a Ford GT. I'm like, who spends that much money on a Ford, okay? Just a question. But it's crazy because I'm sitting there, and, and my cousins were there, and they're car guys. And so, like, we were, like, all guessing. Like, we're not buying anything. We're just, like, looking. And uh, we were all playing this game trying to guess the value of the car going across. And none of us were close. Like, not even a little bit close because there's trends and there's markets and people are looking for things and collectors are looking for certain things. And there's all these things. We didn't have enough information to evaluate the items that were going through. But the amazing thing is that there's already been a price that's been set for you. And it's the, the highest price that has ever been set. I don't know if you know this one, but it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, in other words, God so loved you that he paid the highest price that could ever be paid when he gave his only son for you. Art is subjective, but your identity in Christ is not. The value has already been established. Your value has already been established. I want us to jump over to Hebrews chapter 4. This is a little more teachy, but I think we're ready for that on a Sunday night at 6 p.m. And you might be napping through it, and that's fine. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Now, here's what's really interesting. We are made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Our body is physical body. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And our spirit is just that, our spirit. Before Jesus enters our life, our soul and our spirit are deeply interwoven and so interconnected that you cannot differentiate between the two. That's why there's sometimes this drawing, like, you know, sometimes you might hear myself or Pastor Jeremy or Pastor Seb or anyone stand up here and, and, and say, hey, if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, uh, you might feel like your heart's racing. There's this drawing in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that says that God has placed eternity in the heart of every man. So our soul and our spirit begins to long for the things of God, begins to long for Jesus. It begins to long for complete, uh, to be complete and for contentment. That's what happens inside of us. But once Jesus enters our life, there's a separation that happens between our soul and our spirit. So imagine from, with me, it's like a piece of DNA. But as Jesus enters the picture, he becomes the center between the soul and the spirit. It says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the thing that separates it. So that means this, the Bible. This is our greatest tool to turn the whisper into a whimper. When Jesus got into an altercation, into a fight with the devil, every time he did it, it was like it was like a rap battle back and forth, but with Bible verses. It's like, how about this one? How about this one? How about this one? How about he's like, Jesus wins, you know? One of the greatest ways that we can come up against the attack on our own life is by learning the truth. 
right? And getting a solid enough foundation in the truth that we can understand when the truth is being twisted. Here's just a fun fact. When you get into a dispute with the devil, which will happen, it probably already has, you just didn't realize it yet. When he tells you a lie that is rooted and based in scripture, he can never back it up. He's got no supporting text because he's twisting one line. So we take these things and we hold it up. This is what it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is 2 Corinthians 10. Nick's going to throw it up there in just a minute. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare, warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So when that lie comes, when the whisper comes, it's usually a one-liner. You're like, oh, that's so good. Or I, oh, I believe that. Or, oh, I feel insecure. Or, oh, I'm doubting something. All you have to do to poke a hole in that lie is hold it up against the truth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He says, oh, you're not a masterpiece. You're a disaster. Well, no, I'm not a disaster. I'm handcrafted. Psalm 139 says he knit me together in my mother's womb. Satan never has a cross reference. He never has a supporting verse. So as we begin to get this into our soul, all of a sudden, it not only begins to expose our innermost thoughts or desires, but it actually begins to expose the lies of the enemy. The second thing is this. So the Bible is the only thing that can separate our soul and spirit. But the other thing is that Jesus in, in John chapter 1 in the original Greek is known as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, was with God, and the Word was God. That's speaking of Jesus. So we could say in Hebrews chapter 4, that the word of God, meaning Jesus, is alive and powerful. And he cuts between soul and spirit. And he exposes our thoughts and our desires. Meaning when we invite Jesus into the midst of our chaos, into the midst of our pain, and even into the midst of our success, he begins to bring life to all of those areas. But he also begins to expose the lies of the enemy because a lot of us have not realized that the things that we thought were our own innermost thoughts or desires are actually seeds that have been planted and sowed not by Jesus but lies that said you're not enough you'll never be enough but when Jesus comes in he begins to clean house it's the same mentality that says, wow, here I am in life, and uh, God's done some things, and it's been a good journey, but man, look how far I have to go. I mean, I've only come this far. I thought by now I'd be further. I thought I would have done more. I thought I would have accomplished more. I thought I would have had this by now. I thought I would have had that job by now. I thought I would have had 14 kids by now. 
And we begin to look at our life and we go, oh man, I wish that, like, look at how far I have to go. I haven't measured up. I can't do it. But what if we could see us through Jesus' eyes? I, I wonder what might happen if we begin to silence that whisper that says you're not enough. And we begin to hear the voice of God that says, I handcrafted, created you. You've got this. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. You can do this. It's not about what you can do. It's about what we can do together. And if you want, I can work through you because I don't want to just work in you. I don't just want to work around you. I want to work through you. And then all of a sudden, I be, my eyes are open and my flesh is at war with my spirit, but it's okay because I hold it up against the truth of the word of God. And when I understand the plans and purposes God has for me, I don't say, oh man, look at how far I have to go. I say, wow, look how far I've come. I was a mess. I was broken. I was wounded. I was insecure. Look how far I've come. But because of the grace of God, I don't say, oh man, look how far I've got to go. No, see, because when I'm following Jesus one step at a time, I'm always at my destination because Jesus is always my destination. When I follow Jesus one step at a time, he's right there. I just take one step, I'm arrived. Then he takes one step and I take one step, I'm arrived. Not look how far I have to go. No, no, no. Look how far I've come because I'm following Jesus. And when I follow Jesus, I'm always right where he wants me to be. Maybe you're wrestling with this idea of, man, I'm not where I want to be. Can I just ask you this question? If you're wrestling with, man, I'm not where I want to be. Can I just ask you, how comfortable are you? How comfortable have you been? Because often, often we find ourselves full of regret because we took the path of least resistance instead of following Jesus leads us to a place where we're like, man, I'm not where I want to be. And the whisper would say, wow, you missed it. But the voice of truth would say, hey, surely his goodness and mercy have been following you around all the days of your life. And what the enemy intended for evil, God intended for good. And he's rewriting the story. Why? Because he's the author of our faith, but he's also the finisher of our faith. And so while you think you're out of the game, that you've missed the whole thing, he says, no, 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 I got a rewrite coming. Hold on a second. I'm rewriting the next chapter. I'm rewriting the next story. If you would trust me more than you would trust your insecurity, if you would trust me more than you trust your feelings, if you would trust me more than you trust your doubts, don't you remember? I'm greater than your feelings. Sometimes I think we get distracted because we put more faith in our insecurity than we have put it in Jesus. At its simplest form, art is self-expression, right? We create so we can express ourselves. In its simplest form, faith is myself expression of my confidence and my trust in Jesus. The subtle art of living by faith is understanding that it's not about the 
big things. It's not about the grand gesture. See, sometimes I think we're so focused on the, on the, we're so focused on the spectacular that we miss the miraculous. Zechariah 4.10 says, don't despise these small beginnings because God loves it when his work gets started. 